Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning and welcome to Manna for Breakfast. This is recorded for May 22nd. And we are going to be looking at Psalm 7, 8, and 9, I believe, today. And also John 7, the rest of John 7, beginning in verse 27. So I am at a conference uh, up in Philadelphia. So I thank you guys uh, for praying for myself and Renee, who staying back with our grandson and our daughter-in-law and taking care of the family. And we're going to just keep reading the Word together on the audio podcast. Now, we'll be getting back to the video live feed until Thursday. So uh, thank you if you're new listening to the audio podcast. Please subscribe. Helps a lot. Put a like on it. Also helps a lot. So we are in Psalm 7. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and giving us this time where we can come before your throne and receive the manna, which comes from heaven your words. You are the bread of life, God, as we've been reading in John, that we receive our nourishment and we receive life eternal as we look to your word and as we take it in and digest it and we receive from you, God, life and life everlasting. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Psalm 7, the Lord implored to defend the psalmist against the wicked. A Shigion, they David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush the Benjamite. O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me, or he will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend or have plundered him, who without cause was my adversary. Let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life down to the ground or lay my glory in the dust. Selah. Verse 6. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries and arouse yourself from me. You have appointed judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you and over them return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and the minds. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. Behold his travail with wickedness, and he conceives mischief and brings forth falsehood. He has dug a pit and hollowed it out. He has fallen into a hole which he made. His mischief will return upon his own head, and his violence will descend upon his own plate. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Now, David wrote this after he numbered the people, which is not clear this psalm is after that psalm, but it is quite astounding. 
that David could still see, or David saw himself as righteous even after sin with Bathsheba, or even after this major sin of numbering the people. Why? Because he comes before the Lord in humbleness and brokenness. He realizes that a man who will not repent before God, that his mischief will return upon his own head and his violence will descend upon his own plate. He gives thanks to the Lord because he realizes, and he sings praise, he realizes God is righteous. He was righteous to judge David for his sin. But because David repented, he also poured out his grace and his mercy upon him, which is why David is one of our heroes, because we can identify with that. But he was quick to repent. And David did far worse than any of us have ever done, and yet still recognized that God can make a guilty man, a sinful man, righteous if one comes before him with a broken heart and a humbled heart. Psalm 8 the Lord's glory and man's dignity. For the choir director, on the Gittith, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens from the mouth of infants and nursing babes. You have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy of the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you take thought of him, or the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is David, the psalmist, who spent nights out guarding the sheep who could look up into the heavens and realize that when you look up at the stars at night, and right now we can do that here, we're out in the country, and look up finally, it's not like in the middle of Puerto Vallarta, you can see the stars and all their splendor. You can see how deep and how majestic the heavens are. And you see that, and then, and David compares that to that which he sees on the earth, and he's even in the all that is around him, and he sees God working. He sees that man is so small and compared to the creation that God has made. So the question that comes to his mind is, why would you even think about us? Why would you even consider us? Or even take care of us or care about us? Of course, other translations say, I mean, it's a little lower than the angels. They say of God, I think the reference is to God, uh, heavenly beings. You have made us lower than the angelic host. But you've crowned your creation, you've crowned mankind with majesty. You've made us rulers on this earth, caretakers a better word, over all that you've created on this earth. And you've given us purpose. And just to dwell upon that, that he would give that honor to us as you look out into the heavens and see how vast they are. Of the billions and billions and billions of stars and planets, you think God is majestic. God is amazing. God is communicative. God is love that he would do all that for such as we are being so small in comparison to all that. Good meditation for sure. Um, Now, moving on to John, verse 25. Let's pick it up, verse 25. So some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, is this not the man whom they were seeking to kill? Look, he is speaking publicly. And they're saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? 
However, we know where this man is from. But whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out in the temple, teaching and saying, You both know me and know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. So they are seeking to seize him, and no man laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. But many of the crowd believed in him, and they were saying, When the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him and the chief priests, and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Therefore Jesus said, For a little while longer I am with you. Then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews then said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? He is not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? What is this statement? He said, you will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Verse 40, some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and the Pharisees and said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? They answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. Everyone went to his home. And of course, misinterpretation of the scripture that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem as he was born in Bethlehem. They were assuming the place he was born would be the place that he would come out of or be considered from. But Jesus had to move to Nazareth because of Herod, which was also prophetic. So, there was a misunderstanding by the Pharisees, which caused them to misunderstand who Jesus was, but that were not left off the hook because they were to understand who Jesus was by his signs and by Daniel and by all the other scriptures. They were taking one scripture and misapplying it and misunderstanding it, where, his, his, where he was to come out of. But all of the scriptures about his signs and his wonders, that he was come as the suffering servant, And, of course, Isaiah 53, all these other things, of course, they would have seen afterwards after the cross. None of that they were looking into or examining, especially the one about the very day which he would arrive and present himself as king. If there was any scripture verse that they were to look towards was the one in Daniel, the Daniel 7, about his coming. And so they did not, Daniel 7 and Daniel 9. So this did not let them off the hook at all. 
as well as the the people's understanding of him were was more accurate. The people saw his miracles and they were questioning. We're looking at what he's doing. We're, we're looking at his words and looking at his works. And the, the Pharisees were simply misapplying their own interpretation of the scripture as learned men. So therefore they, they lost while the people gained. At least the people that were being open-minded were gaining understanding and those are the ones that are becoming saved. All right, we'll look at Charles Spurgeon. Uh, for this morning, for May 22nd, Song of Confidence. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and their right hand shall save me. Psalm 138.7. Wretched walking in the middle of trouble. Nay, blessed walking, since there is a special promise for it. Give me a promise. And what is the trouble? What doth my Lord teach me here to say? Why this thou wilt revive me? I shall have more life, more energy, more faith. Is it not often so that trouble revives us like a breath of cold air when one is ready to faint? How angry are my enemies, and especially the arch enemy. Shall I stretch forth my hand and fight my foes? No, my hand is better employed in doing service to my Lord. Besides, there's no need, for my God will use his far-reaching arm, and he will deal with them far better than I could if I were to try. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. He will, with his own right hand of power and wisdom, save me. And what more can I desire? Come, my heart, talk this promise over to thyself till thou canst use it as the song of thy confidence. And solace of thy loneliness, pray to be revived thyself. And leave the rest with the Lord, who performeth all things for thee. Good counsel there. I love the way he always is contrasting the things that are dark that we're going through and how God always brings freshness out of it. We read yesterday how the dark clouds raining down or above our heads can bring forth the fresh rain. As here, these troubles and faint-heartedness, how a cold air can breathe new life or give us new energy. We let God fight our battles. We let God go before us. And David was the one who knew this better than anyone. That we come before God in those very difficult times, rather than trying to fight the battles ourselves, we just ask God to go before us and bring a freshness back into our life and wait on the Lord. It's one of those things we have to hear over and over and over again because we are always so eager to try and rush ahead of God and try and do it ourselves. Well, with that encouragement, Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this morning, for your ever-present help, for your word that is fresh every morning, and for the encouragements we see in the Psalms and the, the beauty that we see of a man like David who could be in the middle of wars and be attacked from all sides, can even be guilty before you of some great sin, and yet look up at the heavens and see your glory and your splendor and, and think only of your majesty to be set apart from all the troubles he has in the world and to know how big you are, and to glory in that, and know that you're righteous and just, to chastise us when we get out of line, to correct us, take things away that we've misabused, that we've not used for your glory, and, uh, and yet, God, always bring us into that sweet place of fellowship with you when we have surrendered our hearts, and we've yielded ourselves to you in humility and asked you for forgiveness, and then you, God, just expound. You You give us a knowledge of who you are far beyond what the world could ever fully understand. So we thank you for that. 
the privilege we have of knowing you as Father, but also as Creator God and Forgiver of all things. And we thank you for the example of Jesus and the way he showed mankind who he was. And that we, as the unlearned, can look to him and see that he has proven himself over and over again by the signs and the wonders, the works and the prophecies. We know, we know without a doubt that he is the promised one. He is the Messiah. And that he did yield himself up on the cross for us so that we can have life and life eternal. So we thank you for that this day, God. And we pray for our friends and our family members that they would come to know that, those that are still searching, those that are caught up in religion like the Pharisees were, that spend all their time in church and looking at their creeds and their different work activities and lighting candles and worshiping saints, whatever it is, and yet miss out on the very simplicity of you as coming from heaven and yielding your life up for them. So help them come to that knowledge and that freedom that we have come to know in our walk with you. And those that have been tripped up, God, in the church, those that have been confused, we pray that they could find a way back. A lot of churches teaching a lot of garbage, God, and that are confusing young people, confusing older people. God, we pray that you lead them out of religiosity or legalism or false prosperity doctrinal beliefs and just lead them back to that sweet fellowship with you to walk with you daily. And we pray, God, that as I'm at the conference and the rest of the pastors are there receiving your word, that we as well might continue to walk in simplicity and stay completely biblically focused in our teaching and that we not ourselves be ensnared in the lies of this current age and fall into false doctrines or into sin itself. So guard us, God, and and keep us safe as we can trust in you for all things, God, and guard our families as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys again. Uh, We'll be back live on Thursday if anyone want to join us live. But thank you for sticking with us on the audio podcast. And please remember, subscribe, and we will see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye.